Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your boy Tuan here. It is November 24th, which means it's Thanksgiving here in the States. So Nav and I thought it'd be a great idea to have a Thanksgiving slash turkey dinner themed episode for you guys. And, you know, we talked about, you know, some players and teams that we would want to invite to the dinner table, um, maybe give a hot take or two. Um, to our to our family friends and and these players and then um, something that we're thankful for um, NBA related and non NBA related so hope you guys enjoy this episode thank you guys for listening and happy Thanksgiving to all of our U.S. listeners thank you peace. Welcome back. Another episode of the ATL podcast. We've got a special, special episode for you guys. As today is Thanksgiving in the US. And as some of you guys know, I recently moved down to LA. So, you know, we thought it'd be a nice, great idea to have a turkey dinner themed episode. So, of course, joining me back home from Ontario, Canada, celebrating vicariously through me, the homie Nav. What's poppin', baby? Not too much, man. I'm I'm jealous of your Thanksgiving. We had a ton of soccer games, World Cup soccer games. NFL does it big on Thanksgiving in America. Like just, you guys do it to the nines. Hey, the, the U.S. is playing England tomorrow um, in, in their group match. So that, man, yeah. And then I think Saturday, Saturday has a big event. I figure what it is. And then Sunday, obviously football. So I'm just trying not to spend my day sitting on the couch and watching and eating food but it might be tough i'm going to try to be a little productive but yeah uh, it doesn't help when the schedule is that that bumping you know yeah if i were you i would do exactly what you said you don't want to do i would sit on the couch <laughs> i'd eat food i'd probably download a little betting app for yourself and just enjoy enjoy the day what uh what are you going to do for dinner if you're solo dolo uh so today nothing tomorrow um, some of the international people we want to grab like a dinner somewhere. Uh, I don't know what the plans are. Uh, and then Saturday, a bunch of the boys that are still in LA, we're getting together with the undefeated, um, team, uh, here out in LA playing some basketball on, on Saturday. So honestly, chill, kind of, kind of keep it really, really low key. Like work's getting really busy for us now too. So the next like two weeks. Is going to be hectic um and then you know after those two weeks it's uh it's my way back home so i'm excited i'm just waiting ready to chill a little bit grind it out for the next two weeks and then yeah see you guys and cc you're a pretty face you know yeah man well the next time if you're coming home that early in december i think like our next podcast will be um probably be when you're home which we'll do in person i'll make some dinner we can chill yeah, um, we should probably just that. laugh about last episode because <laughs> this is technically episode 50, episode 59. For those of you who didn't click on the 59 or those of you who haven't clicked on the episode 59 link on the podcast app, Twan and I were an hour and a half into our podcast when we realized that we weren't recording and, you know, it's been what, like a year and a half now. And we haven't had a audio or like technical blip. Uh, up until this point and it's hilarious that it took about 60 episodes to have a major fuck up yeah honestly it was funny because at like we were we were just wrapping up basically our pod and then now it's like 
oh my god and i'm like man so, like something happened in the news something personal and he's like tawan i forgot forgot to press a button I'm like fuck but you know we can laugh it off that was a nice little like warm-up to this one so hopefully this is our best pod you know let, let's let's take a you know silver lining approach to this and you know hopefully this is the one that kind of uh levels us up to to the next level in terms of podcasting so you know that's that's something that we can laugh about but well, surprising that it took we us having a great episode we were just like the conversation was flowing um we had some great conversations but it was good to chat either way oh yeah perfect no that's that that's what i'm doing right now like this is not for anyone else man this is just for me and you to chat and then you know if one or two buddies want to chime in then that's cool too absolutely Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, let's, let's get into it right now. You know, it's, it's Thanksgiving and usually Thanksgiving, you know, Canadian Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving, you got that nice, crispy, juicy turkey dinner in the middle with family and friends. You got some nice sides, you know, you got corn. I've never had green bean casserole. I heard that's a thing. Um, mashed potatoes, you got some pies, whatever that is. And you're usually around with your family, friends, possibly talking about the World Cup, probably going into about the Ukraine war, you know, anything FTX news. Uh, and then, you know, last resort, maybe basketball. Right. So, you know, how, how I want to kind of do this is, you know, let's let's when we get to that end of dinner, everyone's kind of exhausted about talking about us. Let's talk about, you know, some of the teams that we're excited to talk about players that we've noticed in the you know past uh few weeks that have really taken you know the forefront in either the news or just how they well they played maybe give a hot take um you know to family friends and then you know a thankful nba related topic whatever that is i kind of you know want to give you some freedom there but you know kind of four topics we want to talk about at the at the dinner table as we're you know gobbling down some food so Nav, I want to give it to you, you know, give you the, give you the, the floor here. What's, what's one team that's caught your eye and that, you know, we're at the, you know, at the theoretical hypothetical uh, dinner table and, you know, you want to bring this team up. Who's, who's that team? Okay. So I, I obviously have that team because you and I kind of talked about this last episode that, uh, <laughs> that fell through, doesn't, that no longer exists, but before we recorded the podcast and we were sort of talking about the episode, I thought you meant like a team that you'd want to bring to dinner. <laughs> like I thought you meant like, so I, I I have in my head like a dinner table of what team I'm bringing to dinner and where they're sitting. And <laughs> that'd be pretty cool too. Okay. I, I want to hear that. If you got something that like that in mind, I feel like I, that was poorly communicated by me, but. Well, Hey, we can do both. We can cross, we can, we can kill two <laughs> birds here, but. I was so I was thinking about this for like maybe 30 minutes and it was just a toss up between the Minnesota Timberwolves and I'd put Cat Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert very close to each other at the dinner table because like we talked about last episode I'm very worried about that team and we're 20 games in it's super early everything that we talk about in this episode will be hyper speculation but I'm just worried because Rudy Gobert's 30 years old. The Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves mortgaged their future heavily for this guy. And there seems to be no chemistry between Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. In fact, you know, I know they're on a little bit of a hot streak right now, but 
there was just some red flags very early in the season with regards to post-game jabs between players um, and just lack of – it almost like – Rudy Gobert on the floor right now offensively seems lost, you know, and Chris Finch is a fantastic offensive coach, but he just doesn't have the skill set to be anything but what he was in Utah. So I think there's a lot of red flags for Minnesota. And, yeah, I'd have them at the dinner table 100%. How about you? So, yeah, I know we talked about this on, on the, the episode that never came to be. but Antoine, sorry to cut you off. But the reason I'd put them close together, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and Gobert, is because Carl Anthony Towns wants to be a leader, and supposedly he's going to be monitoring everything that Anthony Edwards eats at Thanksgiving. So... Feel like it'd be a very awkward situation. Would, would it would it be uh on on bad judgment from Ant to bring some Popeyes to to the uh Thanksgiving dinner? Well, I just have a vision of <laughs> Anthony Edwards like reaching out for more macaroni and cheese and Carl Anthony Downs being like, that's enough. <laughs> uh but yeah, on, on on that note with the Timberwolves, I know we had talked about it, and you know, they're a team that actually has you know won five in a row, and they're 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 eighth in the in the West and one or two, like one and a half games behind the Suns for the first place. So they're not that far off. I know they had some struggles early on trying to get those two big guys clicking. Uh, but I think Ant is finding his groove a little bit now. And I don't know what his stats were last game, but um, Gobert had a pretty massive, like 20 plus, 15 plus rebound game um, in, in his last one against, I believe... It was the 76ers. No, it wasn't 76ers. Sorry, it was the Pacers. They crushed the Pacers um, yesterday. So they're on a five-game winning streak. Things are looking up now. Um, but, for, yeah, for me, um, I, I know we kind of have, like, different themes now. But the team that I would probably want to talk about and the team that I would want to kind of, you know, have as a conversation started at the ta- dinner table uh, would be the Cavs. And again, the Cavs, a team that, you know, came out red hot, um, added Donovan Mitchell to to that roster, a guy that can be that 1A superstar alongside um, Garland and having those young bigs in Mobley and Jared Allen. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're such, you know, a young, promising team. And I don't really know if there's a another team um, that I would say that I would want to pick as young as these guys. I know the Celtics, obviously, having the two Js as, you know, the the core for that team. But this team overall, just the general feel, the general um, construction of this team um, feels like it could be sustainable for a really long time. And, you know, we, we talked about how Don, like Mitchell just has been playing tremendously. You know, we thought it might take a little bit to, uh, feel how he would play along Garland, you know, a ball ball dominant player who's probably their best playmaker and was an all-star last year. Um, so same with Jared Allen, another all-star who probably needs a bit more, you know, uh, time in the block, but, you know, he's played a, you know, a great role in terms of just being that um, last line defender. Um, same with Mobley. And yeah, I, I that team, you know, has such, so much promise and I really like the direction that, that that they're going, especially the way that Mitchell's been playing and just how he's just taken the 
the reins for that team. And um, yeah, they've built this from last year. You know, they, they had a really strong start last year too. And, you know, barely missed the playoffs, you know, had some late season injuries and, you know, they're just taking that momentum and into, into this year. Yeah. I mean, another thing that I bring up at the dinner table is just how many players are scoring over 30 points this season. It's like the first time since the sixties that there's about eight players right now that are averaging over 30 points a game, which is insane. And probably a lot of that has to do with a couple of the most recent uh, rule changes that the NBA has made. But Donovan Mitchell is just shy of 30. I think he's at like 29.8. So I'm going to say he's averaging 30 points a game. And the crazy thing about watching the Cavs play, haven't done it much, but you do realize that Donovan Mitchell is special in the sense that he's playing superstar-esque basketball and the offense still flows. He's not a ball-dominant, Luka Doncic, James Harden type of player. A lot of the guys on the Cavs are, I'm sorry, the Cavs offense is is clicking. Everyone's, the ball moves really well. And I still think that Donovan Mitchell has a lot of room to grow on the defensive end. So, I mean, sky's the limit for that team. You know, they're young. Donovan Mitchell is still a pretty young superstar. And, you know, they're probably going to add players here and there throughout the next three to five years. So look out for the Cavs. Yeah, the thing, the, the one thing with the Cavs, I would say kind of like their weak, their the glaring weakness is that that fifth guy. Um, I know they've like interchanged Karis LeVert, um, Isaac Okoro. They're just trying to find who who that fifth guy can be because they already have Kevin Love, who's tremendous sixth man. He's kind of transitioned perfectly back into that role or not back into that role, but into that role last year. I think he was runner up in sixth man. Um, award last year and you know he's still you know a dominant presence um on the perimeter a guy that's obviously uh provides that leadership to this really young team and they have a little bit of depth um you know Seti Osman um even like Robin Lopez a guy that you have I, I haven't really I didn't even know he was on this team um before today actually so um you know they have a bit of depth there but it's just who's going to be that fifth guy who can play that like utility role that like Royce O'Neal role or that like um th that role where he's just make he's, he could it's got to be someone who can make open shots someone that can defend and that's someone that that doesn't need the ball because Garland and Mitchell will dominate the ball you know the majority of the time and Mobley and Allen will be either defending the the back line or they're going to be uh rolling to the rim so again I think they have great personnel and uh Bickerstaff being uh, I think a third year coach now. Um, I, I think they're they're gonna they're gonna be you know making a lot of noise as we kind of get further into the regular season. So who gets brought up more at the dinner table, the Brooklyn Nets and the Kyrie Irving fiasco, or Golden State with the Draymond cool punch? Ooh, I think it's I think it's still the Nets. There's just so much going on. Yeah, I think it's still the Nets. But I feel like the Nets conversation will get a little too dark. I would try to dodge it because, like, Kyrie Irving, then you segue into, like, the anti-Semitism stuff, and then you segue into, like, all the weird, dark, and twisted things he talks about. I'd probably try to avoid that one, <laughs> especially when you're mixing in booze. The personal so preference. I'd probably, yeah. like, I feel like the Jordan Poole, Draymond Green thing's a lot more fun and lighthearted to talk about, even though it wasn't lighthearted. <laughs> And so, no, like, no. the second team that I would talk about is probably Golden State. Or the, the second team that I'd bring to the dinner table would be Golden State for sure. I think I'd have 
Clay, Kerr, and Curry sitting very, very close to me because I feel like it'd be awesome to chat with them for a long period of time. And then I would put Draymond Green and Poole at the end of the dinner table with very little super uh, supervision and see if things escalate any further. Um, but, Golden <laughs> but Golden State's a team that I would definitely, definitely bring up at the dinner table because they're very polarizing. And the reason I think there is very polarizing over there is because front office is trying to play two brands of basketball right now. I think it's very interesting how, you know, they wanted to start the season playing a lot of their younger players. And the organizational vision was that, you know, we're going to compete for championships with our core, but also breed the the next core that we're going to pass the baton to. And it's been a very sad uh, realism for front office because Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, although they're very talented basketball players, they don't belong in this type of offense at the moment. You know, I feel like this is probably the worst situation they could be in stylistically because there's so much pressure on them to play winning basketball. And all three of those guys are in, are in very developmental process or parts of their career. You know, they need to be on the Kings right now, fucking up day to day and making mistakes and learning from them. Unfortunately for Golden State, there is no margin for error. Yeah, with honestly, those guys, like a Kaminga or a Wiseman, if they were like three years older, three more, three years more mature, they would actually fit perfectly with this team. You know, Kaminga is that like super athletic, um, spriggy, bouncy type player who can defend and attack the rim. That's something that the, the, uh, the Warriors really don't have. They don't really have a guy that slashes to, to the rim. Obviously, they're shooting just you know expands the floor so much Draymond does such a good job of you know dribbling handoffs uh, dribble handoffs uh you know finding any of the guys curling uh from the block to the three-point line um and even just like um uh Wiseman in terms of a guy that can be that big guy because they don't really like Kevon Looney looks and plays like a 35 year old center right he's like he's well, fantastic he's like, yeah, I, I know, I know. Just the style that he plays, he's great. But they don't have that, like, they don't really have anyone that's, a, like, super athletic that can, you know, roll to the rim, um, that can really, like, fix up their rebounding problems because, obviously, playing with that kind of size and that length that they really don't have, um, Draymond kind of being um, kind of the, their, like, main defender and primary defender, it's, it's tough when Looney isn't in there and you're trying to, you know, play small ball. It's definitely tough to rebound against a team like the Cavs, right? Or a team like um, the Timberwolves, you know, two teams that we just briefly talked about, but two teams that have tremendous length, right? So it's kind of, um, yeah, it's, 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 their timing just off. So I know like with, with the, with the Warriors, they're probably going to look to see how much, how much value some of those young guys can, uh, can net them. And if they're able to get like a, like, Think think about this from like a from a Raptors perspective. Would you trade someone like Gary Trent Jr. for like a Wiseman? You know, Gary Trent's on like an expiring contract. He's a guy that can fit perfectly off the bench for for that team, and he's another guy that can you know um, alleviate some of those heavy minutes from all the shooters on the Warriors. Is that you know is that a possible trade? Not saying that it's exact trade, but you know value wise, like. 
that is that something that you would look for in, in that type of trade? Or are you looking for another type of player that you would want to have on the, on the Warriors? Yeah, no, I think I think Gary Trent Jr. You know, I think he's still among a league leader in steals. Um, he's very underrated, even amongst Raptor community. I find. Mm-hmm. You, you know, a lot of the times when we, you know, highlight Pascal Siakam, who he should be highlighting every single game, can't wait for that guy to come back. But Gary Trent's up there with like 20, 22 points, 23 points. The only knock on Gary Trent that Nick Nurse ever has on him is that he's not, um, you know, he's not active on the defensive end. That's where he's a little, that's where he's a little inconsistent, but he's got fantastic hands, fantastic defender. But I think Golden State's an interesting team because... You cannot waste these Steph Curry years. Statistically, he is playing the best basketball he's played since his unanimous unanimous MVP year. He is playing out of his mind. In fact, statistically, he might be a little better than that year. So from a front office standpoint, like they cannot waste these years. He's playing like the best player in the NBA right now, in my opinion. Um, but therefore, I feel like they can probably Golden State can probably be leveraged a little bit. I don't know how many picks they can give up, but if you're the Raptors. Like I would 100% do Wiseman in like a pick for Gary Trent because, you know, our organization prides itself on development. And I feel like James Wiseman could benefit from that. Yeah, as much as... A, I don't know if I, I answered your question there, but... No, no, you you, you know, you did because I, I was thinking like, obviously Wiseman is a few years behind in terms of like... But um, Gary Trent is also like 23 years old. So he's super young too, but he's also becoming a free agent. So that's why I threw out that question. But, you know, I'm assuming there's got a few guys that are like similar players, sim- similar impact and probably a free agent as well that I'm just trying to get kind of get your gauge on like what can even these young guys can fetch in the in the open market, right? So that's kind of where where, what I, where, where I was going with that. But well, I think I think the I think the bullseye for Golden State is the Indiana Pacers because they're in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. And, you know, they're one of those teams that we laugh about where it's like Utah and Indiana, they're playing super solid basketball. And we went into the season thinking that it was going to be the tankathon, right? I think Miles Turner is, is exactly what Golden State could use. And Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald, yeah. Buddy Heald. That would be perfect. Buddy Heald would be and perfect. And then that would team. allow, you know, we talked about how Kaminga and Halliburton are rock solid as a future front or a future backcourt, right? And, you know, you give them Kaminga, you give them Wiseman, they can still, uh, like, they can still develop that backcourt and develop that core, but they would still be in the running for a top lottery pick. Yeah, yeah. No, well, Pacers are playing very, very well. But yeah, I don't, they, they definitely will have to make a move. They can't sustain this this, this amount of winning, uh, especially for the long-term uh, health of the franchise, uh, yeah, but unless they want to, but I don't think they do. I don't think that's the vision they had when they sort of made the most recent decisions that they made. Right. Another funny thing too, if you look at the standings in the West, like we're talking about the Jazz, like I'm pretty sure ninth place and first place in the West is like a game and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that's crazy. Two games. The, the yeah. Jazz. The Jazz are like a three-game losing streak from being irrelevant. Yeah, we've heard, we've been hearing how much how shitty the the Warriors have been for the last two weeks. They're three games out of first. Mm-hmm. They can go on a six seven game win streak, and they could be right in the middle of of the race already. So the the West has never been this tight. I don't think. You know, no, like, you know, I think the weird thing, like from like body language, player personnel, um, 
again, I don't want to reiterate too much that we spoke about before, but like not having GP2 and Otto Porter, obviously huge. You know, we talked about a slasher. Gary Payton Jr. was a fantastic slasher, but he was an even better defender. And I think they're missing that from just like that playing with joy standpoint because he would do, he'd make electrifying plays throughout the game that would sort of help them build momentum swings. But the one thing I find weird is because of this Draymond Jordan Poole thing, Draymond Green's, one of his superpowers is like calling someone out for a defensive mistake mid-game and helping the defense sort of stay in line, right? And Jordan Poole's a trash defender. And I just don't think that after that punch, like he can call out Jordan Poole. It'd be like you and me having a massive altercation in practice. I don't think you're going to be on my back mid-game because we haven't rectified the situation. Yeah, he just, he's... he's I don't know. This is, I feel like there's still an elephant in the room with that team. Yeah, there's there's like an uh, intangible thing that you can't, yeah, you just, you, 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 it's, you can't see it, right? But that's the thing with Draymond. Like, he he has, he's always had that authority. He's always had that that backing from Steph and from Clay. And now that, you know, that, you know, he punched the shit out of Poole, like, it does obviously kind of put a crack into that, how their team's constructed, how how they interact with each other, their continuity. And I think we're seeing a little bit of it, but obviously I, I don't think it's going to be um, a long-term thing. Um, it's definitely impacted them a little bit to start the season, but I think just with Steve Kerr and how, how that team's kind of been able to navigate through adversity for the last, what, seven, eight, nine years of being a successful franchise, I think they'll be fine. You know, what, yeah. what's, 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 worse, what's, than, what's worse than losing 3-1? to your to your mental right oh man to, like there's a little road skid they're low the little road skid like anyone that knows anything about basketball should not be freaking out about it like they're blowing it way out of proportion but i think the problem is just because they wanted to go young it was their way of salvaging the older core but now there's gonna be way more mileage on curry clay and draymond going into the playoffs way more mileage so now that it's gonna really humanize them going into the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. you know, their, their chances of, you know, repeat championship, unless they add new players, I think it's going to be significantly jeopardized. No, great point. Great point. All right. So let's move on to the player portion of this and I'll let you go first again on this one, but I know you like the theme would be who, who would you bring to, to the dinner table uh, for Thanksgiving? If you pick one player in the NBA and, and what's the reason and what would you guys talk about? Okay, so I've actually been watching a lot of OG Ananobi in- interviews. <laughs> um, I've been watching the Serge Ibaka, the thing where he was talking about fashion and the scarves, that like stupid segment. I don't know why, it's kind of got on the rabbit hole, like on YouTube a couple, couple weeks ago. OG Ananobi is hilarious. Like when he's giving press conferences post-game, or even pregame, I don't even, I think he's trolling. Like, I think he's, I can't read that guy. I would have to have him for dinner because I think he's absolutely hilarious. And what would I talk about? i probably talk about what was like guarding LeBron when he was a rookie. The infamous, the infamous infamous one-foot shot. One-footer off the bank. That got Dwayne Casey and DeMar booted out of Toronto. 
Oh yeah. Yep, um, I would yep, definitely yep. talk about that, but also I'd probably just talk about like what it's like being on the forefront of a lot of trade rumors and a lot of people expecting a leap every single season. Um, you know what that pressure is like. Yeah, he's he's been playing really well this season. I playing think really well now. He's 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 leading the league in steals. He's like three a game. Um, I I know they've been hurt, so he's getting a little more um, more possessions to kind of work on it. I'm still not a big fan of his ISO game. I'm not sure what the stats are. I know last year he was a he was horrendous as like an ISO, um, you know, kind of guy that to create your own shots. He's definitely not that. He's like. He's honestly who's who's a better three and D player than OG. No, you know, like last year we had definitely we had, top five. Definitely we had, top five. Uh, Mikael Bridges, you know, get get uh, defensive player of the year consideration with how well the Suns played, but I feel like OG's on on that same level. Yeah, he's better. He's better than him this year, right? Now, so, does it have to be a player? What is it like? It could be a coach. You want a coach? You want to throw a coach in there? It could be oh, an man. individual. OG and Obi, I, I feel like OG and Obi and I wouldn't even be talking about basketball. I think he's just a really funny guy. But like, I would do like a wind down post dinner bourbon with Steve Nash. Oh, I was, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking Steve Nash too. <laughs> yeah, get, get him loose, get him loose, and figure out what the fuck what went went down in the last two and a half years in in uh, in Brooklyn. Hundred percent. How about you? So mine was more like, not 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 yours. Whereas like personality wise, mine's more like, it is personal personality wise too. I I would say like SGA, and this is for two because one SGA is probably considered like the most like fashionable person in the league. I actually make that three. Two, he's Canadian, Hamilton, Hamilton boy, Ontario boy, and three just like his play. Like what's what what's like what happened in the last year to to make this huge leap he was already kind of like a borderline off not i wouldn't say borderline he was still like a all-star type player just on a shitty team so he would never be really in consideration but now he's a 31 point scorer like how what 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 happened like the the there wasn't like a roster um change like they didn't they didn't improve they didn't get much better it, it was not like he's playing with better guys to spread the floor for him or whatever like is, is it just because he's just gone better throughout the offseason i just you know a lot like a lot would go on to it like one like how does a kid from hamilton ontario just you know pick up on that fashion you know we, we you look at you know the the runway in the in the arenas and i think a lot of guys look up to him as a you know he's a com converse athlete he you know dresses to the nines and you know he's young kid from Hamilton and you know like I, I wonder what his inspirations are his like influences are who he looks up to in terms of, like the fashion sense and then even basketball wise because there's really no player like him in the NBA he's a guy that doesn't have a great three-point shot but his like in between game his floaters his push shots his mid-range jumpers are you know second to none I would say in the NBA like how do you score 31 points on like 53% from the field um, and just, you know, what was, what was the analogy that you had the other, the other day? Oh, well, I was saying like, uh, I was listening to Zach Lowe podcast and you were saying it's like catch, trying to catch a fish in a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what that is. Like 
he's he's super long and yeah i don't know he just he just has such a good touch around the around the rim and you know i i can't say i've watched all the thunder games i don't know even if okc fans can admit that they've watched all of the thunders game but just the games that i've seen against the raptors and like highlights from from the season it just looks like everything that throws up either like you know is pure or just has such a soft touch around the rim right that if if it's hitting the rim it's dropping in so definitely like my question to him be like what did you do to have like a seven point jump he's shooting seven percent better from the field this year than last year huge jump and you know he had a huge streak where he had like 30 and 10 for like 10 games straight so he's, he's been he's been dominant and you know okc is still you know what are they 7 11 uh but that's still quite a bit of wins without you know chet without some of their especially yeah him chet being being the number one guy number one guy that was supposed to come in and really help them out and i would probably say their best second best player is giddy and giddy hasn't really taken that big of leap so it is quite like like interesting to see what really happened throughout the last few months between the end of last year and to kind of the beginning of this year for him to make such a like difficult leap as a you know borderline all-star guy to now a you know full-time nba all-star you know regardless of what the thunder uh the the record is because of how well he's been playing Oh yeah, no, I think that's a great, I think that's a great uh, addition to the dinner table for sure. Um, you know, I think the question I'd have for him is he could be playing MVP basketball right now. And I personally selfishly would like to see him play for a contender. He is a general, he's playing like a generational talent, you know, something that we haven't seen in a while. And it's crazy that he was a part of that Paul George trade. I'd ask him about how he feels about being a part of that Paul George trade you know, I'd probably like offer him a couple glasses of wine, then be like, how do you actually feel about playing for Oklahoma City? What's the city actually like? And do you feel like you are being held hostage? Because that's how <laughs> that's how everyone else feels. Everyone wants to see you off that well, team. And uh, unfortunately, you're playing way too well. So you're untouchable. But do you feel like these are wasted years? Because you're 50, 40, 90. And do you feel like these are wasted prime years? I'd ask him that. Well, if if you consider being held hostage, signing a five-year, whatever, 180 million, I don't know, whatever that number yeah. was, that ridiculous number for for playing basketball was. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love being, I would love to be held hostage as well if I can make any anything close to that. But um, no, you're right. I, I feel like, I actually don't know. I don't, I don't know about that because I'm looking at, you know, teams like, the Kings, the Grizzlies, um, even like the Trailblazers, Timberwolves, Pelicans, young, like not young teams, but small market teams that have young, really great star players. And they're kind of building their own team here. Like a guy like Dame, Dame Lillard, who, you know, plays and lives in Portland. Um, he was able to really, you know, make a big run a few years back with CJ McCollum. And you know he's 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 the you know face of that franchise. OKC, of course, we've seen the we've seen KD, we've seen Russell Westbrook make a name for themselves in that city and kind of make that team um, a powerhouse for a few years. So I I, I wouldn't say like hey like uh, maybe OKC doesn't have as many you know fun clubs to go to, restaurants to eat out at, and you know things to do. But 
I feel like it could be a perfect environment. I really don't know his person personality too much too much, but maybe that's why he's playing so well because he's in OKC. He can't be distracted by all the glitz and glamour of a bigger city. So you know, maybe that's really his what what he likes and yeah, maybe yeah. I mean, I don't maybe. know. I don't know him that way. I know you know Dame Lillard will always be like, oh, I'm ten toes and <laughs> ten toes this that. So you know, like he likes being. You know, he likes being that guy, but I just want to know, yeah. like, SGA, put him on any team. They're competing. So I'm just, I'm just interested. I, but that's a great, that's a great pick. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's say we have a few, you know, a few family members. We got some NBA players around the table. What, what's your hot take? What, what do you, what, what are you, what are you trying to, to tell, uh, get everyone to believe you and, you know, convince them of, a take that you have kind of just looking at the current NBA landscape, you know, how well maybe some of these, you know, underrated teams are playing, maybe, you know, how some of these, you know, older teams and teams that have had more success in the past are struggling to kind of get out of the gates. You know what, do you have one hot take that you want to kind of um, brand into these people's minds as they leave the dinner table and kind of be like, what did this guy just say? Man, that's so tough. There's so many. I How about so I give you mine? How about I give I, you mine? Yeah, you give me yours. I have so many conspiracies. <laughs> All right. So I, I'm not not that I'm warming up to them, but I think the Lakers can salvage the season. And when I say salvage, I don't mean like win a championship. But if you were living in L.A., and you were here for the first two weeks of the season, I swear to God, you would have thought that that this team was being shipped off to like the NBL or, or whatever because of how bad they were shooting, how bad they were playing. Westbrook was probably playing the worst basketball I've ever seen anyone play for a stretch of period. Their whole team couldn't make a three-point shot. Um, you know, it was just, you know, and, and they were always on ES ESPN. You know, they were always on the front cover of the the websites, of the social media, you know, of the newspapers and all that good stuff. But there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of smoke there. And wherever there's smoke, you know, I think there's a little fire in there. So I know LeBron's been hurt a little bit. I know Westbrook's been uh, delegated or relegated down to um, to the bench. But I think his, you know, him being on the bench is been super beneficial for this team and for him i'm not sure what they're going to do in terms of moves but they have you know that 2027 2029 draft pick that they're, they're probably going to try to use to you know salvage the season 80s playing a lot lot better now without you know without lebron taking the majority of the the possessions and kind of hogging the ball there i think he's had he's been averaging like 30 and 15 the last four or five games and they went on a little win streak. They lost the other night, but they're not that far out. I know the entire West is kind of just jumbled up into, you know, from one to like 11. They're three games separating those guys. And then the Lakers are five and a half out of first. And, you know, LeBron, you know, again, like LeBron's been out the last uh, few games. I think now that AD's, if he stays healthy, gets that little bit of confidence back in his game, um, looks really good defensively as well. If Westbrook continues playing well off the bench and maybe they make a move 
halfway through the season, I think, you know, teams like the Jazz, the Kings, the, the Trailblazers, um, and maybe one of the top teams maybe fall off to an injury. I think I think the Lakers can be a top six seed in the West when it, you know, when the season's the regular season's all said and done. I just think like the when it was, you know, doom and gloom two weeks into the season, I think they were looking to, you know, really, really find like, you know, really really get into these guys. But I think, you know, just with a few pieces and I think just with a little bit of momentum that I'm seeing. That's my hot take. Not a, not a not a LA bias. I just think just from watching how they've been playing either live or on TV, I think they have a little bit of uh, momentum going for them, and I think they can, you know, make the top six seed in the West when we're a two games done through the season. That's my hot take. Yeah, I mean that's 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 very that's a great take. Like. It's sound. It's not even like crazy. Like I thought you, you know, if you were to say they were going to win out or like contend, impossible. They don't have any shooting. It's impossible. They don't yeah, have. No, they sure. don't have any uh, trade assets either. It's impossible. Yeah, their trade assets are those two picks in in five and seven years that they're they're that would probably be the worst things to do because LeBron's not going to be there anymore, and you're going to be stuck with who knows who who knows who'll be stuck with in within the next five years, but. I feel like it's a pretty hot take, especially if you were like living in the city and kind of getting the vibe, like just being around the arena, being around like basketball all day. It was like very, very like downright, just like scary how, how like the entire city turned on them. So that's kind of my feel. That's kind of what, what I'm feeling right now. So again, maybe not as hot as a take that you might have, but I think it's a pretty hot take if you talk to anyone that follows the Lakers at all that if you told them two weeks ago even that they could be, you know, a team that doesn't have to be in a play-in game, that I feel like is a hot take. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I feel like LeBron, when he signed that extension, a lot of people are like, that was probably the worst thing he did in his career, especially from like a chasing Jordan, chasing rings type standpoint. I feel like the trajectory of his career might be more um, – aligned towards financials now and it's going to be about like being the richest and scoring the most or i think there was definitely a deal that he knows that they're going to get rid of those picks because if it has if, to be it has to be if, if there's a team that you know i think the biggest saying for the lakers should be like the lakers trash is everyone else's treasure you can just look around the league and see all the all the lakers grads who are just doing fantastic as role players in the league um if there's a team that doesn't respect anything that helps with future stability, it's the Lakers. You know, so I, I have a feeling they're going to get let go. They're going to let go of those picks. Who would they add? I mean, who knows if they're going to let go of those picks and if things well, are dysfunctional, if things are dysfunctional in Brooklyn, um, look no further. Well, it was, it was healed. And um, sorry, what's the big man's name again? Center for the Pacers that we talked about just like Miles Turner. two minutes ago. Miles Turner, yeah, those are the definitely the the most talked about names uh, from from the discussions even from last year, and they've, they've uh, transitioned over this year. So, what do you think if they're able to get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald onto this current currently constructed Lakers team? That's that they could even compete. Is that something that 
you know, is even worthwhile to really sacrifice your in mortgage, your, your 2027, 2029 picks. That's crazy. No, but also, I think, no, I don't think so. I don't but think also, if there's one team that can really sacrifice a pick that far out, it's the Lakers, right? They're always going to attract either guys that live and were born in LA, you know, like the DeMar DeRozan's, the James Harden, those guys, and try to get them to come back home. Or, you know, it's just the, the Laura of being a Laker. Right. And I think they're probably the one number one team that can be like, fuck it. Let's do it. We'll figure it out in five years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. I think my two hot takes, I would, I wouldn't go too deep. This one, I'll just, I'd like annoy everyone at the table by saying that the Raptors are like one trade away and like, it's going to happen this year. Like, and I'll just be obnoxious about it. Piss everyone off around me. So I won't do that this, this year. All yours. Let's t- t- no, I'm kidding. I was, I was gonna be like, yeah, I, I, I got half an hour with you. Let's yeah. talk to me about it. But no, that's cool. Go go but, for the next um, one. Okay, but side note, the Raptors are in a really interesting spot. They've had a really successful year, I think. Just injuries and and lack of stability, lineup stability is just kind of like derailing them at the moment. But there is so much to think about for that team, especially that long boy lineup that we talked about without Fred Van Fleet, where. You know, they're catching a defensive rebound and anyone, and I mean, anyone can, can lead the early offense. I mean, that's a pretty special, that's a pretty special setup that they got going on. I hope we see more of that this season. That was really, really positive stuff that I was seeing from, from the raps while Fred Van Fleet was away. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I think the hot take that I would have would probably be, um, I don't I think that there's still a high chance that there's a fire sale in Brooklyn. And I, you know, right now things look a little stable. Like Kevin Durant's playing fantastic. Um, he seems like he's playing with a lot of joy. Ben Simmons is coming into his own a little bit. A couple 20-point games here and there. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, he's his he's assisting the ball pretty well, but his assists are sometimes like dangerous. He's missing, like he's passing up on field goal attempts. So although like they're converting into assists, it's still a terrible basketball play. Um, yeah, that's that's how he's always played though. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. You know, I I don't think we've seen the end of Kyrie's bullshit. And <laughs> I would, you know, I would say there's a high probability that by trade deadline, there's a lot of Brooklyn movement, and they could very quickly be in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. Ooh, I don't know about being the sweepstakes. I think they're gonna win too much, too many games between now and then. Between now and then the trade deadline, I could I could totally see them, yeah, uh, kind of um, luring other teams into possibly making a trade offer uh, for KD. You know, a team maybe like a top team that's trying to to make a move. And like it's the not Raptors. even KD. it's not even KD though. Like Joe Harris and Seth Curry are two Seth of the Curry. best shooters in, in like in NBA history. But I think if they make a move on their role players, like one or two of them, then they're basically like waving the white flag being like, and what Katie's not staying there for another, you know, for another half season, just to be, you know, the, the no. ninth, ninth or 10th team in the playing game. So that's why I think it might be a fire sale. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I could see that too. Let's see how Jacques Vaughn is able to uh, uh, rally the boys and see if they can do anything. But it, it has been a little more promising. Like Kyrie had a pretty solid game against the Raptors yesterday. Ben Simmons, like you mentioned, 
has been scoring a little more. I know there was a lot of talk how he might have just forgotten how to play offensive basketball, but I think just now he's getting his legs back into it. And a lot of his play is uh, based on how much energy and how much, you know, um, effort he throws, you know, he he puts into the game because he's known for, you know, to be a defensive player, a guy that can, you know, grab the ball off the rebound and just run the floor. Um, which also takes me to our next topic, which is being thankful for an NBA related anything. And, you know, we talked about the long boys with the Raptors having like Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, grab the ball, run the floor. I just mentioned Ben Simmons, even like a Giannis doing the same thing, kind of like running the offense through transition. Uh, and, and I'll go first on this one. My thankful like NBA related topic is the new tick foul. That's fine. It is. Yeah. yeah. You know, like for, for anyone who obviously doesn't like really know what that is, it's really when like a defender fouls another player without making like a play on the ball to stop a transition opportunity. So that's always kind of like been like a w- easy way for a team that's, you know, on defense and the other, the offensive teams on a three on two, and you just take a little foul, whatever you, the the guy who commits it takes that foul and they just take the ball off of, uh, out of bounds. But now this new take foul, you know, they, they, they're, they're awarded a free throw, which obviously penalizes the defensive team. And that can, you know, change the, the aspect of a game if it's late in the fourth. So this definitely helps teams that look to push the ball with guys that are rebounding. And again, like the Bucks, the Raptors, 76ers, Nets, though, like even the Heat with Bam, that's going to be super helpful because you're always going to have the advantage. You're going to have a big guy sprinting down the floor with the ball. A guy like Scotty Barnes can be able to make that correct read every single time. And that can be an easy three, you know, quick with the shot clock or just a, you know, uh, easy layup if it's a three on two or a two on one, right? So, um, that was my, you know, NBA related uh, topic that I was I was thinking for that's new for the season. I think that's it's better for the game that it had to be slowed down and more teams are you know just have to be smart with when they take those type of fouls. Yeah, it's speeding up the game, making it more fun to watch. Fast breaks, mm, yeah, fast breaks equals excitement. And I mean, you know, if you want to like magnify it or sorry like zoom into the raptors specifically you know our big guys are great ball handlers they're fast they're quick they're not great free throw shooters so it allows us to lead it allows them to lead the break without getting fouled without having to go to the free throw line so yeah i mean it's been it's been fun and you can tell how pissed off it makes teams when they are getting the take foul because it leads to a player getting a free throw and the possession back. And they get to choose whichever player they want on the floor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to want, be the one that got fouled. Yeah, a lot of a lot of guys now, I think that they're, they're just not used to it yet. So when they take it like that, fuck. Because they're just you so used to that. It's been ingrained in their head that whenever it's a transition and we're, we're outnumbered on the fast break, just take that foul, right? Um, so I, I think obviously guys will be smarter with it. But I've seen definitely a few instances where... Um, other teams playing the Raptors are like, fuck, we shouldn't have done, obviously done that. We're just not used to um, that rule yet. So um, definitely a transition period for a lot of these players, just learning when to take it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, um, you know, a, a, a game down, down the wire where a team does take, a, take that foul and just mistakenly be like, oh shit, like we should definitely shouldn't have done that. 
because it can totally change the the outcome of a game if it's a if it's a tight game down down to the wire, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the other two things I'd point out in terms of what I've really enjoyed about the season is like there's been these days, like tomorrow's going to be one of these days where Thanksgiving, there's no games tonight. Um, I forget when it happened la- happened last, but it was pretty recent where we're getting like every team playing at the same time, but it's like it's staggered. So there's like a chunk that are playing at seven, a chunk that are playing at 830 and a chunk mm-hmm. that are playing at 10. So you just get like these little pockets of like every team playing and it's really fun to flip through it's kind of like a football model that they've adopted from time to time and i think that they should continue to keep their eye on that because it's a really cool way to digest any sport whether it's football hockey basketball but uh it's really cool for the nba too if they have like a they should have like a little like red zone type of uh format because yeah i mean and it kind of ties into the second thing that i'm really happy about this season the nba is just how much talent there is right now in the NBA. And we just talked about, you know, the amount of players averaging over 30. Well, look at the amount of players averaging over 25. Like every single night, whichever team you're watching, you're watching extremely talented basketball right now. And I don't think the 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 NBA has ever been this stacked from a talent standpoint. For sure, for sure. And that's why we're seeing teams like teams in the West just being all all middle are all together in the middle there right um being separated by such by one or two games at most for the top six seven eight teams there um quick question for you i know this was on the raptors broadcast yesterday but the raptors have played the nets um i think they're not going to play them at all anymore this year because of those like back-to-back games you know like that's something new as well right you we the raptors have like or the entire league is doing like more of these back-to-back where if the team is in that city they're going to play them um like i think the raptors were in miami um late october and they played them one day had a br- had a break and played them the next day which never used to happen so like what are your thoughts on that is that going to affect how teams kind of approach the season now like you're also going to be able to like like you're going to be able to study the team a little more you're going to scout that team a little more especially you play them um the day before or two days before i feel like it obviously cuts down on travel but what does that do to the game like you're not going to you're not going to see them like every other month or every month or so especially a divisional team but you know what are your thoughts on something like that because that's something that i've definitely noticed I think that that that's happened two or three times so far where the Raptors have played uh, the same team back to back, which, yeah, again, never used to happen in the in the old ways of how they used to uh, schedule the the games here. Yeah, well, I mean, two things right off the bat, and these are positive things. I'm trying to, like, think through why it might be bad for the league, like why it might ruin uh, the the product or the viewing experience. But right off the bat, the two things that come to my mind are less travel for mm-hmm. for the team, which might reduce injuries, which is a great thing because if you're staying put at the same hotel, you know, for a, for a longer stretch of time, you're not, you know, flying, you know, there's dehydration linked to flying, like all that stuff. You're, there's less of that, right? So less travel might reduce injuries. Um, 
And the other thing too is it might build like mini rivalries. Like I'm thinking back to when the Raptors mm. played Miami in Miami. Um, so they had the back to back in Miami, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So first yep. game, Coloco gets ejected. You know, they had a cr- Raptors had a crazy comeback, but they didn't win the game. Second game, they came out and smacked them. So it might breed some some excitement. Um, I'm trying to think why it might be a bad thing. Like, I wonder, you know, after 50 games, what the statistics are on, like, the amount of splits. Like, do teams take one of the games off? I don't know. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. That was just something that I wanted to bring up because that's another kind of like a new thing that I've noticed. Then based, yeah, they're, they're doing new things, which is good. Obviously, yeah, I kind of like want... it. Like, for the... I think I, for for now I'm gonna stick with like those two initial points. Like I think it reduces travel, reduces injury, yeah. um, and then it kind of like it's kind of exciting when say you got really close to beating a team the night before you have another crack at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. It creates a little bit of those that animosity, that rivalry thing, like we mentioned. So yeah, I agree with that. I think it's kind of cool too. Like I think I've heard you know when you're watching certain broadcasts like. I'm pretty sure if say the Raptors are in Miami, they get like seeing Kyle Lowry, you get to go out for dinner with them and probably spend more time with some of your old teammates and stuff like that. I bet the players like it. Yeah. No, I think the players like it for sure. For sure. Not as much travel, which everybody probably appreciates. Um, All right, man. That's all I had for today. You know, try to keep it a little uh, shorter than, than we usually go an hour and a half, two hours, but um, yeah, man. Well, Happy U.S. Thanksgiving. I am thankful for, for this pod. I'm thankful for, you know, episode 60. That's that's something thankful for, man. That's crazy. Yeah, um, that's, that is crazy. That's nuts. That's nuts. But um, yeah, man, it's it's been a great, fun ride so far. And let's let's keep it up. I do want to, you know, have, have that in-person pod with you. Maybe get some steaks or, you know, use that little... That oven that that pizza oven that you got there and we'll do both you know we'll do both it'll be great all right all right let's do that we'll do big for sure all right let's do that um but no great episode today good good idea with these topics and tying in the, the thanksgiving theme no okay. for sure for sure i feel like we had to do all right so I'm glad we were i'm thankful we recorded this one <laughs> yeah me too me too all right brother um, all right. I know it's getting a little later out there, so have a good night. Thanks for staying up, and uh, yeah, man, appreciate you. All right, you too, man. All great right, job today. Have a great Thanksgiving. Put your feet up. Do nothing tomorrow. Just chill. And yeah, uh, I have to. Yeah, you did. You absolutely did. All right, all right. All right, we'll be in touch. All right, see